0: Hi, Envisionaries. It's me, Carl, and we're back. Welcome to Dismantling Injustice, a show where we explore and offer analysis on issues affecting folks who encounter the criminal, legal, and immigration systems. So I know you've missed us, and we definitely apologize. We've been a little busy over the last few months winning campaigns and freeing people, but we're so happy to bring you season two. I'm your host, Carl Hammett Lipscomb, and this month we're doing a deep dive on the issue of surveillance. We'll be exploring the history and current state of surveillance as a tool for criminalization, especially as it impacts immigrants, Black communities, and those who may wish to seek an abortion. Today, we're joined by Albert fox the founder and executive director of STOP, that's the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, an organization that litigates and advocates for privacy, working to abolish local government systems of mass surveillance. We have a fascinating conversation about the nexus of public health racial justice and surveillance, particularly in light of the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. So don't go anywhere. In a few moments, we'll be joined by Albert. Dismantling Injustice is brought to you by Envision Freedom Fund. Envision Freedom is a New York-based nonprofit organization that works to dismantle the unjust and oppressive immigration and criminal legal systems while meeting the critical and most urgent needs of individuals impacted by these systemic injustices in the present. You can learn more about our work by visiting us online at EnvisionFreedom.org or by following us on social media. Welcome back to Dismantling Injustice. And we are so excited today to be joined by Albert Fox Kahn, who's the founder and executive director of STOP, which stands for Surveillance Technology Organizing Project. Um, It's an organization that litigates and advocates for privacy, working to abolish local government systems of mass surveillance. Their work in particular highlights the discriminatory impact of surveillance on Muslim Americans, immigrants, the LGBTQ um, community, um, indigenous folks and communities of color, particularly the unique trauma of anti-black policing. And, um, you know, aside from all of their amazing work, STOP worked with us at Envision Freedom and African Communities together to pass the Stop Stop Immigrant Bond Abuse Act. Um, through the New York State Legislature in June, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast. So we're super excited to have STOP as a partner and to welcome Albert, so uh, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Carl.
0: No problem. Um, And I'm gonna jump right in um, because you all recently released a new report on the intersection of reproductive rights and surveillance. And um, I wanted to ask you, You know, there has been a lot of recent speculation about surveillance of pregnant people post-Roe, post the Supreme Court's decision back in June. Um, But in Stop's new report um, called Pregnancy Panopticon, um, you all state that this surveillance has been happening. It's been happening for quite a while already. Um, Can you just talk to us more about that?
1: Yeah, and we have to recognize that while the repeal of Roe and the federal right to reproductive freedom and abortion mm-hmm. access—it's a singular, you know, uh, trauma, a singular loss um, for for millions of Americans even while Roe was the law of the land, we saw abortion criminalized in so many cases, particularly for low-income BIPOC uh, individuals. And we've seen cases where people were being prosecuted or even jailed for, you know, a miscarriage or for, you know, seeking to terminate a pregnancy. While Roe was still the law of the land, using things like, search records text messages their electronic uh, trail so this is something that while, while we're quite concerned about the way that surveillance is going to expand now that uh dobbs is the law of the land we're, we we have to recognize that this isn't something that's just you know going to come out of nowhere this is already the way that you know abortion has been you know criminalized and been uh policed in america
0: are there ways? Do you see um, you know? Do you see this um, you know this area of surveillance expanding um, in, the, in the forthcoming years?
1: Yeah, there's such tremendous political pressure on police and prosecutors in anti-choice states to enforce these new, just terrifying, broad bans on abortion. And so, in an age where you know abortion clinics are shut down in a state where abortion is driven underground police are going to do what they do in almost every other area of the criminal justice system, and that's turn to mass surveillance. That is how we police in 2022. That's how we enforce immigration laws. That's how we engage in almost every aspect of government power. We turn to the the vast, you know, surveillance apparatus that you know not only is operated by government agencies but the surveillance apparatus that we carry around in our pocket with phones that track nearly every place we go and so i think that we're going to see you know two types of surveillance really becoming more prominent uh going forward one is the types of electronic surveillance we've already seen where Pregnant people are targeted once they're already a suspect and, you know, their search records and their logs and all of their history is taken. But we're also going to see these digital dragnets just to try to figure out who's pregnant in the first place, who is seeking abortion care, because I think that's something that police already do to try to identify people when they don't know who to target to begin with.
0: And, you know, like, I think, um, you know, I'm going off script a little here because I'm always, you know, I've read a lot of articles on like predictive policing and the different surveillance tools that police use, like farming through social media to figure out, you know, like where individuals are likely to congregate and so forth. Can you talk about some of the tools that um, police might use um, to surveil um, pregnant people? Would
1: yeah, so there, there, are, there are a bunch of different, Flavors of dystopia. Um, so, a bunch of different ways that this technology is going to be abused. One uh, thing that we think is, you know, particularly concerning in the long run, probably won't be as uh, prominent in the short term, are um, these digital dragnets called geofence warrants and keyword warrants. So, a a traditional warrant, you know, the police have to show probable cause that a specific individual is suspected of a specific crime. You know, that's something that, you know, the framers of the constitution were really specific about because there had been so many abuses in the colonial era. But with these new types of warrant, instead of targeting one person, they target a geographic area or they target a search term. So with a geofence warrant, they will say, I want the identity of every single person who was in this area during this time. And that area could be as small as a room, or as large as an entire town. Mm -hmm. And it can capture thousands of people's information through this one warrant. And part of what's so concerning is you could have this sort of warrant used to identify every Google user who is in a Planned Parenthood facility, to identify every single person who went to a specific clinic, and to identify everyone who traveled out of state to get there um and and so that type of dragnet has this capacity to do something we haven't really seen with abortion surveillance in the past and that's to proactively identify people (coughs) who are being uh, proactively identify people who are seeking abortion care rather than as a tool to target people who are already suspects um and, and with keyword warrants it's the same thing because you could you know, go to a court and get an order for everyone who searched for methapristone in a certain state or who's searched for a particular address. And, you know, these are warrants that, you know, aren't are just hypothetical, we already see these being used. And with Geofence warrants, they're actually the majority of warrants that Google receives in the United States every single year.
0: Wow, that's like, you know, I mean, I imagine our listeners have probably never re- can't even imagine that this is a thing like I can't uh, you know I have a legal background and I had no idea that any, that something like this was even within the realm of possibility never mind legal
1: um, and you know personally I don't think it is legal I think this is blatantly unconstitutional but the courts are so slow to to actually enforce that and, and we've yeah. seen you know a couple courts striking them down but you know for every one court that does we have 10,000 that are rubber stamping them. And, and, you know, it's not just abortion. We've seen this targeting Black Lives Matter protesters in uh, Minnesota, you know, back in 2020, that the police, you know, used one criminal investigation as a pretext to identify huge numbers of people uh, at one protest. And you could just as easily have it targeted at a church, at a mosque, at any sensitive site you can imagine.
0: Yeah. And our courts are so slow. They're just, you know, like the technology develops faster than the law. Most definitely courts are already about 20 years behind when it comes to tech policy.
1: Completely. I mean, I always describe it as like when you see the arguments uh, about surveillance before judges, a lot of the judges imagine this being decided. By your friend's parent, who's really bad at technology—not not like not someone middle of the road, but people who really don't understand it a lot of the time, and who are just willing to defer to the government when they don't.
0: Yeah, oh, that's awful. Um, so you already you started talking about police and prosecutors, and then we've started to touch on judges. Are there other key actors that you see, um, you know, that that will either utilize the technology or will play some sort of role in? this um this vast expansion of surveillance
1: well the companies themselves you know Mm -hmm. you can't get ordered to produce this data unless you have it in the first place Mm -hmm. and so you know google um you know we we did a lot of advocacy work at stop with our partners to get google to just disclose the number of geofence warrants they receive and because of that we know that it went from there not being any at the start of 2018 to it being more than 10,000 a year by the end of 2020. But you know what we've pointed out to Google when they, they, they object to these geofence warrants, sure, we're, we're glad that they're denouncing these warrants, but if they didn't hold our data in this format, they, they just wouldn't be able to hand it over. And that's what we see with Apple. So Apple holds a lot of our data in, in secure ways so if for example you have data on your iphone the police can't access it uh oftentimes you know without really intense you know uh you know brute force tactics to to decrypt it but if it's on your icloud account as a backup they can just serve a warrant to apple and they get uh, a copy of everything on your device but even Mm -hmm. apple doesn't comply with geofence warrants because They have a lot of location data, but they don't have it in a way where they can search across users. And Google could do the exact same thing, silo our information, make it so that you have that data and it's still available to the users, but it's not uh, being stored in a way where it can be commandeered by anyone with an order.
0: Interesting. Of course, that would like go against their entire model of, (laughs) you know, capital
1: That's the thing. It's really cheap to have a press release about how you stand in support of reproductive freedom. It's a lot more costly to give up the data that, you know, fuels your bottom line.
0: Well, how do you see this? Um, You know, I imagine as with most of the social injustices that we face in this country, um, this will have you know, a tremendous impact on black and brown communities. Um, You know, how do you expect that black and brown communities will be affected um, or targeted under reproductive surveillance, um, you know, now in this post-Roe era?
1: I mean, racism is the defining feature of American policing. It always has been. And there's no reason to think that anti-abortion surveillance will be any different. I mean, we already know that of the cases that have been identified to date, and I, I want to shout out the work of Cynthia Conti cook at the Ford Foundation, who does amazing research in this space, um, you know, of the cases identified, it's overwhelmingly black and brown uh, pregnant people. It's overwhelmingly low-income individuals, and we see the same skew. And, and so, you know, the reality pre row was that wealthy, white, pregnant people were able to access care out of state a lot of the time they were able to evade those laws and you know i don't see any reason to believe that won't be true for you know uh for people who are seeking abortion care going forward because you know with enough money with enough resources there are ways to protect your privacy and to minimize the tracking and to to purchase a bit more protection from this sort of surveillance state, and, and I just worry that when we only focus on the steps that individuals can take to protect themselves, we feed into that dynamic and and compound the the you know inequality and who is targeted. yeah
0: so what actions you know I you know like I'm not gonna lie. When the Supreme Court decision—well, when we heard rumors that they were going to decide in this direction, and then when the decision ultimately came down, my heart sank because you know it was just unclear what we could do to, you know, to slow down this criminalization of reproductive rights. Um, and so I was wondering, especially when it comes to mass surveillance, what actions are available to providers, lawmakers, organizers, the public. Um, to stop reproductive surveillance um, and to protect the rights and privacies and privacy of pregnant people.
1: Yeah, the one silver lining we see in these moments when you know we're we see these fundamental violations of rights and fundamental challenges to everything we believe in about this country is it mobilizes people. And there's been a huge mobilization here in New York and other you know uh, pro-choice states. A uh, you know drive to do what we can locally to protect reproductive freedom. And we've seen bills that block extradition out of state. We've seen bills that codify abortion rights into law here in New York. And keep in mind, abortion was technically, the the ban on abortion was still on the books in New York until just a few years ago. And and so we see this huge energy to act. And I, I think there's a lot we can do at the state level to protect reproductive choice nationally. So one uh, issue is you know, these things like geofence warrants and keyword warrants, well, we can outlaw them. We can outlaw them in New York State. We have a bill that would do that. Um, that's been uh, pending for a couple of years and has been gaining a lot of momentum, uh, A84. Um, that's a bill by uh, Dan Quart and Zellner Myrie and has done, it really was the first bill in the country to put forward this idea of banning geofence warrants and keyword warrants but we can also go further than that. And we can actually start to say that it's illegal for companies to put our privacy at risk by keeping data in a way where it's vulnerable to a geofence warrant. It's a choice for Apple, for Google, for all these other companies, whether they want our data to be searchable through these types of orders. And, you know, Google has been the one in control of that for many years, but they don't get to decide that. That's, you know, that's ultimately something that we can decide ourselves through legislation. And so I'm hopeful we'll see a bill that says it's actually illegal to be that reckless with our privacy. It's actually illegal to store our data in that way. And to then really force these companies to put their money where their mouth is and to actually. Uh, prevent those sorts of dragnet warrants going forward, but that's just one of the many steps we can take to push back on the the private sector companies that are are fueling police surveillance in, in anti-choice states. Because you know New York can't outlaw abortion, can't outlaw abortion restrictions in Texas. It can't you know tell Texas courts and police what to do. But it can certainly stop, you know, companies from doing business in New York and then handing over that data to, to other police departments.
0: Yeah, and yeah, New York can use its leverage against companies that are, you know, everyone wants to do business in New York and California and these large influential states, and we can use our leverage um, to guide policy elsewhere. Um. Well, thank you so much, Albert. This has been great. Last question. Um, where can folks learn more about STOP and do you have any, anything exciting coming up?
1: Yeah, so we have uh, a couple of lawsuits against the NYPD that we're going to have uh, announcements about in the coming days, trying to reveal how the police have been surveilling uh, protesters here in New York. We have uh, a bunch of other bills coming out. We have new research reports coming out. We have different you know, campaigns here in New York that people can help with. Uh, and the best way to find out about it all is uh, stopspying.org. That, that's our website or you can follow us on any of the creepy social media platforms you like uh, at Stop Spying NY. So it's Stop Spying NY as in New York.
0: That's great, great, memorable website name. So glad you were able to secure it. (laughs) And um, yeah, well, thank you. Um, Thanks so much for joining us. This was just super insightful. Um, Yeah, and I'm sure our listeners will find this helpful. Um, uh, Thanks so much.
1: Thank you for having me and thank you for all the work you do.
0: Thanks again for joining us. Dismantling Injustice is brought to you by Envision Freedom Fund, an organization that works to transform the immigration and criminal legal systems while meeting the critical needs of individuals impacted by these systems daily. To learn more about our work and donate, visit us at envisionfreedom.org. That's envisionfreedom.org. Dismantling Injustice was created by Sali Israel. Our executive producer is Abigail Wolf. This podcast is produced and engineered by Yassi Solutions and hosted by Carl Hammett Lipscomb. That's me. Special thanks to the team at Envision Freedom for being amazing. Until we're all free, peace out.